Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, January 5, 2023. Chris Sims, Mike Florio here with you. Again, the show's PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello to our audience on Peacock, Series XM85, Sky Sports NFL, and podcast wherever and however you may be listening. Christopher? Michael? We are two days away from the start of Week 18. Things still feel weird in the NFL. We continue to react to the developments as human beings first and as people who have to talk into microphones for two hours a day second. We are trying to help everyone process what's happening. It's kind of collective therapy for both of us and anyone who happens to be listening or watching. And we're going to spend the next two hours updating you on everything that's happening with Damar Hamlin, who continues to be in critical condition in in the intensive care unit at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. And we'll pivot to some other things. We, again, do so understanding that DeMar Hamlin's condition is the top priority for anyone who cares about the sport of football. The other things are even more immaterial than they usually are, but some of the feedback I got yesterday when we tiptoed toward other topics in the final hour of the program, it helped people. It helped people just have something else. You know, we're kind of the diversion from the rest of the world this week the diversion has created a situation that has resulted in trauma for a lot of people and stress for a lot of people and worry and concern directed to one human being that we all are pulling for and we need a diversion from the diversion if that makes any sense i'm not sure it does yeah it makes sense i I know what you mean we use sports as a to escape reality moment of like, wait, I don't want to have to think about my job or other real life matters. And, you know, it, it's, it's the, this one, this one hit home like a real life matter. And it kind of crossed over the line that way. 
And I think, you know, you're saying it right. We're in mourning. The whole league's in mourning to a degree. It is. It's it's America's sport. It, it it hurt to watch that on Monday night and such a big game and a spectacle. So it, it does still seem weird, but we're getting at least, you know, as the day goes, the days go by here, I, I, I feel like we're getting closer. We're getting better. We got some better news about DeMar Hamlin yesterday. The league is going, you know, as far as you talk to coaches, people, they, they, they practice, they have meetings yesterday, they're going. So, um, you know, I think we all just, we kind of owe it to ourselves. Oh, it's DeMar Hamlin to kind of push forward here and, and always keep him in our thoughts and prayers. At ProFootballTalk.com, what we did yesterday, we just went back to covering everything that's happening because, as you said, practices are occurring, transactions are occurring, various coaches and other players are having press conferences, and plans are moving forward for Week 18. We'll talk later in the program about where things currently appear to stand as it relates to the balance of the schedule. For now, though, as Chris mentioned, DeMar Hamlin showing signs of improvement, still in critical condition expected to remain in the ICU at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Here's the latest statement from the Bills that was issued Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. DeMar remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight. He is expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. The league had a conference call yesterday afternoon, and the NFL made it clear they're not going to be providing any updates about DeMar Hamlin. That's for the team, for the family, for the hospital. Right. The NFL, out of respect to that situation and everything going on for DeMar Hamlin, they are deferring to the team, the family, the hospital. But the league is monitoring the situation. The league wants to understand ultimately what happened. And the league took time yesterday to explain all of the various pieces that are in place to activate immediately when there is a serious health condition on the field and the proximity to a level one trauma center where emergency care of the highest degree can be provided if something does happen during a game. And it's an impressive system. It is. You would expect it. You, you would, would expect it. Yeah. Right? Definitely. I mean, you, you would you would you would expect all of the bells and whistles, all of the highest elements of protection, but it's still nice to know it's there. Right. And the one thing I keep coming back to is there's lower levels of sport where they just don't have this. And it's great that it's available at the highest levels, but you hope that minimal protections are in place. High school, youth, AED. Is there an AED at every game? I hope there is. If there isn't, there should be. Are there people who have been trained in how to administer CPR at every sporting event, especially youth baseball? I became aware of this commodio cordis condition where a blow to the chest, a blow to the sternum can right. stop the heart right. when my son was playing youth baseball. We, had, we bought him a pad to put right over his sternum. A, a lot of kids wear them, and if they don't, they should. You take a line drive to the chest, you can have cardiac arrest and die before anybody even knows what's going on. So, you know, you always look for the positive things that maybe can be used to help people in other circumstances. And youth baseball season is going to kick in here pretty soon. And I hope anyone connected to that sport, if they didn't already know about this risk, 
is aware of it now. As minimal as it is, you need to be ready for it, whether it's wearing the appropriate protective gear that may keep it from happening or making sure an AED is present at every game and that there's someone there who knows how to administer CPR effectively at every game, Chris. Yeah, well, I, I think these are the type of incidents that bring this up in communities across the country to where then it starts to, wait, do we, do we have this covered if this happened to us? You know, I, I do think there's more awareness, even going to a high school football game here in the area, right? There's ambulance there now that just parked there the whole game. At least that's the way it is in, in a lot of the Northeast, right? There's somebody there just in case something does happen either with the players or the crowd, any type of emergency. But you're right. This is one where, you know, probably a lot of high schools and, and communities need to double check their their, their checkpoints and what their support system is if emergency happens. That, that was the cool thing about the NFL last the other night. You know, for all the times that we blame the NFL and go, oh, I thought they would be more buttoned up or, you know, maybe not as cheap in this area. And, we, you know, we've criticized, you know, the penny pinching in some things. And, oh, I, they, let's chalk that up to one where I thought the NFL was all over that subject and very detailed. Oh, they weren't. Well, this was one that – you know, the, they hit the bullseye. I mean, you can't say enough about how prepared they were, how good of a job both medical staffs did, and the fact that they, yes, were fortunate that the hospital was not far from, from the stadium helped too. But, uh, man, it seemed like it was a well-oiled machine as far as, you know, resources and what they can do. And come on. I mean, by all due accounts, the guy was, you know, dead on the field and they resuscitated him and revived him and I mean that 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 says it all in a lot of ways I'm not trying to be insensitive by that I'm just trying to explain the situation there yeah and and you're right and it was a reminder that they do have the highest level of care available and it's ready to activate an emergency action plan that the league puts in place for every game hopeful that they won't need to use it but ready to use it on a moment's notice as they did on Monday night. One of the things that I'm going to begin to shift my focus to, because I have noticed some opinions all over the place on what is available by way of care and financial assistance directly to DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin's toy drive via his GoFundMe page is now over $7 million, which right. is awesome. Amazing. At some point, his overall financial well-being comes into focus. And what I'm going to do, instead of trying to cobble together whatever voices are out there and snippets of this is available or that's available, I'm going to ask the NFL Players Association and the NFL jointly for a full explanation of what is in place to assist DeMar Hamlin from health care expenses and for how long, compensation beyond his salary for this year and for how long. He was in the second year of a rookie-slotted deal for a sixth-round pick, you get a fairly small signing bonus. You get minimum salaries. There are protections in the CBA for payment the following year in the event that you're placed on injured reserve. There are different layers and levels of protection based upon how many years of service you have. I just want to find it all out. So we all have a snapshot of the protections available to him from the sport that he played because, you know, Chris, at some point the right thing to do is going to be for people to donate money not to his – toy drive but to him sure people are going to want to help him directly and we need to we just need to at the right time we need to understand that but i've seen so many people talking about it it's like 
I don't really know what the rules are. I, well, the easy thing yeah. to do, and I'm in a position where I have access to these people. How hard? It, it dawned on me this morning. How hard is it? Because, like, I really don't want to pull up the CBA and spend hours trying to parse through all this and figure it out. What if I'm wrong? It's like, hell, this is easy. This is easy. I'm going to ask the people who are responsible for it, and hopefully they'll tell me right. exactly what's available so we can all understand it. Because I think that's part of the care that, and the concern that we all have for DeMar Hamlin it's a combination of let's get him better and, oh, there's signs of progress. That's good. But what about him moving forward? We all want to be sure he's properly taken care of, given that he's made, you know, he accepted that risk like every player, but he's made that sacrifice involuntarily. But it's a product of being on the field and having that happen. We want to be sure he's taken care of. Yeah, uh, I, I hear you there. It, that's that's a tricky subject. It is. It, it's one that, you know, again, even with, with with my own scenario, and and not to just bring that up, but you know that there's there was like the talk of I had people in the NFL, the NFLPA, telling me to sue the NFL, right? Because I almost died and lost my spleen and all that. This is where it's uncharted waters. But I wanted to keep playing football, so I wasn't gonna you know, start a kerfuffle around the league about me wanting more money or, or, or suing. And, and, and that's where it's a little different. You know, th- this one might be one where, yes, it's, it's a career ender and it's obviously life altering. And it is where I was different. At least I was three years in the NFL. It was fourth year. I was, um, you know, I forget the, not, not franchise, but high tender, right, Mike? Vested. Vested veteran. Oh, yeah, you had the high, the high, the high, high, high tender. Yeah, you had the high restricted free agency tender. Exactly, yes. right. So then, you know, I, I was in the throngs of my career, but at least I was a free agent. And, you know, the, really, honestly, the Buccaneers were very nice to me and gave me a nice contract. You know, thinking I was going to turn the corner and get healthy, even though I wasn't there yet and it was still dicey. Uh, that was how they took care of me. And I'll be indebted to the Glazier family forever for kind of giving me the money and the wiggle room to do that. You know, th- th- this is a little different than my scenario. And you're right. I don't know exactly. You know, medical bills, all that should be taken care of, certainly. But you're right. There's down the line future like forever medical bills that are associated with this. Potentially. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. We right. don't know. I know. You're we right. We don't know what the long-term prognosis is. Right. But, but, again, once we know more yeah. and we're still in this period where the doctors don't know, they're monitoring, they're hoping, we're all praying. But at some point that question may arise, whether it's ongoing health care or whether it's compensation that he would have earned if he would have still been playing. See, there's – the reality is for everyone that the league welcomes in, either through the draft or undrafted free agency, every player at some point is going to be deemed by the NFL machine to no longer have the skills and abilities necessary to play the game at the highest level. So out goes a player who has been part of the league, whether it's for one year or for 20 years, in comes someone new. And if it just gets to the point where – you don't want to do it anymore. You can't do it anymore. You're not as good as the other players who are coming in who are cheaper, and that's one of the very real dynamics of the NFL. The minimum salary for a 10-year player is so much higher than the minimum salary Definitely. for a young player. That that's right. Older players get pushed out all the yeah, time. Even if even they're though better. they can still play. Right, right. right. That, but that's different from that's different from I suffered an injury while playing this game. 
that prevents me from playing it ever again. And who knows? Maybe DeMar Hamlin will be able to play again at some point in the future. What a story that would be. Yeah, it'd be awesome. That's what happens. Right. But it's very different in my mind when someone has had their career interrupted directly by, you know, in the early stages, not even in his full prime yet, still coming into who he was going to be as a player, still having a potential major contract out there that he'll never get now. Right. What is in place to protect that person financially when the worst case scenario happens? And it's a fair concern. It is a fair concern. And, and I just feel like with, with so every time I'm, I pull up Twitter now, I see different clips and I see different tweets and I see different statements and different opinions and different information. I just have a feeling that some folks are kind of on the right track, but they're not there. And, and that's where, okay, like I said earlier, I, I can, all I got to do is ask the question. Sometimes it's as simple as just saying, can somebody please tell me? Because I suspect the union by now either already has a spreadsheet or a list of terms available for any player that this would happen to, and they would be able to put together pretty quickly what's available to DeMar Hamlet. So we can, I would think something's there. So we can do, so we can do one of two things. One, we can say, how is there not more available? And here's hoping that that gets fixed for everyone else that this may happen to in the future. And number two, if there's help that is needed specifically for DeMar Hamlin, it can be mobilized. It can be provided at the right time. It's great that people are channeling their concern for DeMar Hamlin into this community toy drive. That's awesome. But at some point, that that fire hose of cash may need to be directed another way. And, and, and that, that's just kind of – and again, we're, we're just – we're dealing with this like everyone else. Real time, the concerns that pop into our heads, we assume are popping into others' heads. And we're trying to, trying to just kind of keep track of everything and – and figure out where this is going to go while we all hope for more news that DeMar Hamlin is making progress and will make a full recovery eventually from what occurred on on Monday night. As we've said all week, Chris, many have been traumatized by this, whether you were watching it on TV, and I suspect more than 25 million were given the stakes of the game, or whether you were right there in the moment experiencing it second by second, minute by minute in those excruciating moments after it occurred. Zach Taylor, the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, had a Wednesday press conference, and he said various things about what transpired, asked various questions about it. Here is a portion of Zach Taylor's remarks, specifically regarding the exchange that he had with Bill's coach, Sean McDermott, on the field as everything was happening. When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow, and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And so that, to me, provides all the clarity because there, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation because that's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, he really uh, showed who he was, that, that all his focus was just on DeMar and being there for him, being there for his family at the hospital, and, and at that point, um, I think everybody, everything trended in the, in the direction it needed to trend, and the right decisions were made there. But, um, again, just, just uh, the way that I, I really felt Sean McDermott led in that moment for his players. He was there for his players. He, he processed the right way, which was incredibly difficult, and, uh, and really helped us get to the, the solution that we needed to get to, um, I think, was, was really good. So um, that's, that's, that's really um, all I have about the situation. You know, for a lot of people, the moment that we realized this was something much more than the standard precautions that are activated when there's a potentially serious injury, a head or neck injury, 
that it was something more than that. It was Josh Allen's reaction. Right. He had his hands pressed against his nose. But, Chris, the point you made the other day, the first indication that something serious was wrong here was a shot of Sean McDermott right. looking shaken, right. deeply shaken. Right. Because Walking coaches, around I mean, they, the huddle, like it's, it's, right, talking to himself. And yeah, like, you, right. You, you, yes. There was something seriously right. amiss here. It wasn't the standard coach reaction. You see concern. You'll see right. the coach go out to the field. This was something more. When I watched it back early Tuesday morning, that really struck me. Uh-huh. And, and, and so it's a, it's a very valuable glimpse into what was transpiring and why there was no way they could have continued on Monday night. People have asked me, why did it take so long to figure it out? I think there was a lot of confusion, but it's pretty clear from the first interaction between the coaches. There was no way they were going to be able to continue because the head coach of the Buffalo Bills was not going to stay in the building. No. no. I mean... In like in reality, didn't want to stay in the building, and like there's no way mentally he was in the building. His mind and soul were with Demar Hamlin. He he couldn't believe it, you know. And that's that's where you know again, yeah, there was some confusion after the game. I understand that, you know. We've we've never seen anything like this. An NFL procedures, oh, a long injury. The guy goes off, you know, on the ambulance. Hey guys, get ready to go. We're gonna go play. I mean, I could see how that kind of went down. The referees are kind of just like, okay, I don't know. This, I don't know what to do. I'm, I haven't been in this spot. We'll just do what we always do, kind of get ready. But once you like, you know, once we were all in the moment of like, wait, you know, we heard Joe Buck tell us CPR, so what's going on? And then you could kind of see some Bengals players moving over there. But like you knew as soon as they showed the Buffalo sideline, like you were like they they have no chance of restarting their engines and revving it back up here, you know. It was supposed to be that you know so called whatever five minute warm ups period there. I mean the Bills players were just sitting there in shock, like in true shock, and that's when you were just like, hey, this is absurd that they're even like the warm up anything. There's no way. And uh, good thing you know two good people in McDermott Zach Taylor got things you know jump-started in the right direction there and, and saved everybody. And one of the unresolved issues about what transpired during that hour or so between the injury and the decision to suspend play is where and how did this notion of we're going to resume playing and the players have five minutes to get ready. Where did that come from? And I know that it is completely irrelevant to DeMar Hamlin's injury, to his condition, to his prognosis. But to the extent that this was an unprecedented moment, to the extent that something like this in theory could happen again, and hopefully it doesn't in my lifetime because it's it's just hard for us to experience. It's even harder for the people directly involved, I know. But we hope this never happens again to anyone who plays football. But at least now there's a precedent. What was unprecedented is now precedented if it happens again. So it's an issue that people are curious about. There are signs of inconsistencies. There's just an indication, you know, when when you're 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 little inner voice is telling you there's something more here. Something doesn't add up. Something's not right. People want to get to the bottom of it and understand what happened so we can have some semblance of a playbook moving forward. On that note, here is Zach Taylor 
addressing yesterday the fact that there were reports, not just from ESPN, but from Westwood One during the game, that the game was going to resume with a five-minute warm-up period. Here's Zach Taylor on that issue. I didn't feel any directive that guys starting to start warming up. It was just let's particularly give Buffalo space to process as a team because they had not done that. They had just been there for DeMar. And um, so then we've been through this situation a million times where there's an injury on the field, something happens in the field, and just the natural processes, you know, you give yourself a couple minutes. Really, I believe there's so much that happened that I I can't even really recall. Um, My process of remembering is is that that's really just what unfolded. There was no push for anything to happen. It was just let's let's let these moments play out and see what the next step is as people get a chance to get their minds right, and, and ultimately that's what led the decision there. And, Chris, I think it's reasonable to say that during those moments where everyone was trying to get their brains around what was happening, right. standard protocols exactly. may have been mentioned. Yeah. Why not? And I've heard from people who said, look, this is the, this five-minute thing. It wasn't pulled out of the air. Right. I mean, first of all, ESPN has said they didn't pull it out of the air as tactfully as possible because sure. they're a broadcast partner. We have to tiptoe around some of these things to not make anyone upset. But ESPN has said it. They didn't pull it out of the air. Westwood One, the radio broadcast partner, had the same information. And it's okay if someone was reverting to what always happens because this is not unprecedented that there's a delay. Right. The, The specific reason for the delay is unprecedented. But delays aren't. And I've heard from a high level executive with the team that, you know, hey, we've had this happen, whether it's weather. Well, you have five minutes to warm up and get right. ready to go. Right. Whether it's national, like on a Thanksgiving, one game is taking too long. Right. We're going to delay the other, the other game. One. Sure. Right. We want we want to transfer the audience to watch the full game. So you're going to have a five minute. This five minute thing is not new, and it's unfortunate <clears throat> that that's become a thing because all the NFL had to do from the get go was say, during the moments of confusion, we were relying upon standard operating procedures and that is the standard operating procedure once it became obvious that this was nothing standard that's when the usual protocol went out the window i don't know why i wish that's what would and again and again these are human beings making human decisions in real time it's just unfortunate that a line got drawn in the sand early on by the league And, and we're not here to call anybody out or criticize anyone i'm just trying to help people understand how we got to this point it's unfortunate in those real moments where people didn't know quite what to do or how to handle the situation that that it was regarded as insensitive or ridiculous to even mention the possibility. Well, no, it's not insensitive or ridiculous when you have people in the moment trying to figure out what's right. Yeah. And what do we usually do in this situation? Well, we, we give five minutes and we get going. I mean, we, we resume play. People get injured. They're taken care of. And the game goes on. That's right. just what happens. That's what's always happened. And... and to the credit of everyone involved, they eventually realize we can't do it. Right. But there's no, it's, it's not wrong. It's not insensitive. It's not inappropriate that someone may have mentioned along the way, this is what we usually do because that, it is right. what they usually do. Right. And I, they I, recognized in this moment they shouldn't. That, that's right. I don't think like somebody like from the NFL offices was down on the field and was like, hey, Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, get them going. Five minutes. Here we go. I think it was just like like Zach Taylor explained. That's what I was kind of trying to say before we went to that. 
It's, it's I've experienced that as a player, too. It's the natural process there. So I'm sure the referees saw the, the, the ambulance go off the field, and he's been a part of these situations as well, and he's going, okay, I guess we get ready to play. Nobody's saying anything different to me yet or anything. And, you know, I, I think that's where people got offended because they thought it seemed insensitive, and then when it got too insensitive, people want to know, wait, who was the person that made this insensitive comment and did this? And that's where I think it got personal to people in the NFL because they were like, wait, wait, no, nobody did this. We, you know, Troy Vincent, we know he cares about players. Nobody that cares about players more than Troy Vincent. I mean, we, we've seen it firsthand. He is an ex-player and, you know, to a fault, cares about the players too much in a, to a degree, in, in my opinion, with nothing to pass her and some of all these other things as I'm smiling and joking here a little bit. But so that's where I think it got a little mixed up. People were looking for one person to point at. And that's where it wasn't fair. And as soon as, yes, the gravity of the situation got understood and people were, I'm sure, on the phone, like, what, you know, what's going on? Hey, boss, what did we do? You know, and when they figured it out, they made the right decision. They got it right. But that was weird. You're right. And then the NFL, uh, just, it's, yeah, you're probably right. They needed to just admit this situation was a little crazy. We went with standard protocol. It was nobody's fault. It's just a rolling machine that way. And we got it right and got it fixed. Um, but but I, I mean, at least that's the kind of the way it seems it unfolded there, Mike. But this has become something now that has taken on a life of its own. Yeah, a little. Because yeah. of the things. And again, I'm not trying to criticize Tori Vincent. I'm just trying to help people understand how and why and where we got to the point where we are and why there's this lingering curiosity about what transpired because it was in that original late-night conference call that Troy Vincent said, I don't know where that came from, the five-minute thing. And that made a lot of people, well, wait a minute, ESPN didn't make it up. ESPN didn't, yeah, they, they didn't just start spouting off nonsense with no basis for understanding what was going on down on the field. Joe Buck said that John Perry, a longtime NFL referee who is the rules analyst for ESPN, was in constant communication with the league. The ESPN statement, carefully worded, but the ESPN statement that came out on Tuesday made it clear that they were in constant communication with the league. This came from someone with the league. So this is just one of those things. It's like, you know, we don't need this to be an issue. And that's why yesterday when they had the conference call, because I initially thought the conference call was going to be about telling us what decisions had been made about the Bills Bengals game, about the schedule. I thought that was going to be part of it. It wasn't. That'll probably happen today. It's got to happen at some point because at some point the passage of time makes the decision for you. But Troy Vincent yesterday, very emotional on the conference call. And as you said, he genuinely cares about the players. He does. Cannot and, be denied. And, and he brought the issue up again. I'm going to read to you what he said yesterday. I was asked a question about this return to play. I feel like I snapped or I was hasty in my answer, but I just want to be clear. Just that suggestion alone was inappropriate. It was insensitive, and frankly, it lacked both empathy and compassion for DeMar's situation, who is still in the woods and is fighting for his life this day. It lacked complete, and it was just so insensitive to think we were even thinking about returning to play. I just wanted to share that because it came up, and I think there's been a little bit of discussion. I don't know who said it, and I really don't care. Again... It didn't just come out of thin air, and it's okay. See, the, the, prob the, the problem with that comment to me is it, 
it paints whoever it was that may have mentioned we're going to go back in five minutes in such a negative light that we're never going to find out what happened. Yeah. No one's ever going to say it was me. It's okay. It's okay that human beings trying to figure out what's the right thing to do had dialogue, had conversations. What do we usually do in a situation like this? Well, after the injury situation is resolved, we give the players five minutes to warm up and we keep playing. That's how everything is constructed. We don't, we don't have a, a manual for a serious life-threatening injury that results in CPR and the use of an AED on the field. So I, it's unfortunate that this line that was first drawn in the sand has now been dug with a shovel in the sand, and it's created this standoff where it was incomprehensible from the league's perspective that anyone would have mentioned possibly returning to play. Well, during this this hour – well, I mean, look at it this way, Chris. Why did it take an hour to come to the conclusion they were suspending play? if somebody wasn't at least pondering the possibility of still playing. And yeah. it wasn't wrong to ponder the possibility of still playing because that's what always happens. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it was a confusing situation. And, you know, yeah, I mean, the league is – it is a business. They're trying to worry about, wait, we have 70,000 people here at a stadium. You know, what do we do? Do we bring them back tomorrow? All I mean, there were so many things that they had to be worried about. And, and Mike, I, I could see – you know, a lot of wormholes of how this could have unfolded. You know, again, it could have been the first five, ten minutes of the break and DeMar Hamlin on the field to where, you know, in that process and maybe not everybody realizing how dire and gravity, the, the, the gravity of the situation and all that, to where maybe, you know, NFL replay and all that was in the referee's ear. And, hey, you know, it's been a long break. We'll probably have to give the guys five minutes to warm up once we get going again. You know, I could see that going down. And in the meanwhile, like Troy Vincent and other big high-level executives are on the phone talking to Roger Goodell and owners and trying to figure it out. And that's where there could be maybe a dead moment of, you know, wait, we didn't communicate this the right way or whatever. There, there's just so many things. But, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think, you know, that the NFL and the people that are 345 Park and all that, they're not bad people. That, that's where I'm not going to let the world go. And, and I know enough about these people and been around them for a long time to know that they do care about the players. And, gosh, I mean, we've sat here to a point in, in this year a lot and complained about, damn, they care about the players too much. Uh, you know, so I, 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 I just think it was like you're talking about. It was a crazy situation. Standard protocol was kind of being followed. And I think there was a lot of moving parts and people trying to figure out exactly how to handle the craziest situation we've ever seen in maybe American sports. I mean, come on now. That's where everybody's got to, like, just chill out a little bit and trying to point a finger at anybody and blame somebody. The craziest thing we've ever seen in American sports happened that night. And I, I'm going to give the NFL a little wiggle room for having to deal with that situation. I, and I agree with you, Chris. Yeah. What's so odd about this wrinkle is that the executive VP of football operations with the NFL isn't giving any wiggle room to anyone who would have suggested that play resume, even if the call was coming from inside the house. That's what's so yeah, odd about this I hear to me. Yeah. To say that it was just the suggestion alone was inappropriate, insensitive, and lacked both empathy and compassion for DeMar's situation. Again, Troy, somebody from the league had to have said this. This didn't get pulled out of thin air by ESPN. That's what stuns me about this. Because if anyone should be saying what we are saying right now, 
that it's okay if someone thought they were going to try to play, that it's just part of the human beings trying to understand what's happening. It should be the NFL. The NFL should be asking us to help them out in that regard and help people understand why there was a suggestion about resuming. Yeah, that, that's the NFL really should the truth. be the one saying right. it was inappropriate and insensitive and lacks empathy and compassion to even mention it because you're somebody from the NFL is the one that said it in the first place. That's how it got there. That's what's so weird about this to me. And it's weird about, again, we're trying to focus on the things that we think people are interested in. And this is an issue by virtue of the things said by Troy Vincent. It's made it a very compelling and intriguing and confusing issue for a lot of people. Because I don't think anyone would complain if the truth was that during these hectic and crazy and unprecedented moments, Human beings trying to do the right thing under a very difficult set of circumstances may have suggested that the standard protocol is to resume play after the players are given five minutes to warm up. That's not wrong. That's not insensitive. That's not inappropriate. And that shows no absence of empathy or compassion. That is the balance, the very delicate balance that, that the league strikes when you have a serious injury that requires a player to be taken off the field on a stretcher, on a backboard, in an ambulance, etc., and the game keeps going because that's what has always happened. It's not inappropriate because that's what always happens. In this case, it became obvious the game couldn't proceed. So I, that is just, it's, a very, it's a very confusing wrinkle to all this. And I thought yesterday when Troy Vincent was readdressing it, he was going to say exactly what we've been saying that during the hectic, crazy, and unprecedented moments, we reverted to what we always do in these situations. And there are serious injuries, and the game goes on. This one was too serious for the game to go on. And once we realized it, we said the game can't go on. That's all I had to say. Yeah. That's all they had to say. Yeah. And we would have completely accepted it, and we wouldn't be talking about it today. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. You give, you give the, the, you know, the fire no oxygen there by doing that. And just to admit that there was some faults there, but it wasn't personal or intended, and it was just the craziest situation we've ever seen there. And, you know, to that point, Mike, even, even with knowing the dire situation, the, 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 the dire consequences of the situation and everything about that, I mean, it's such standard protocol that even there, I was, I was still sitting there, a guy that's been around the NFL my whole life going, well, I guess they're going to get ready to play here soon, you know, even though I was like, man, how are they going to do it? But that's just how ingrained that protocol is even for me, just somebody that's, you know, been around the game and played. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I wish the, they could probably have uh, lessened the – the media blow or just the conversation around this topic if they just were a little more honest with that that little part of it or just say it was it was crazy and unprecedented it's an unnecessary subject for anyone to address that was created by the way the league handled the question that was asked and and then again yesterday handled the aftermath of that question because it's perfectly reasonable that someone would have said at some point we're going to give the players five minutes to warm up and we're going to continue the game because that's what always happens when a player is injured even if a player is injured seriously and taken to a hospital for medical care it's not the first time that's ever happened and it's not insensitive to the player for the game to continue here's joe burrow bengals quarterback who also spoke with reporters yesterday on the emotions that he experienced in those very tense and hectic and unprecedented moments oh man it's uh i mean you know we tried to do all we could you know we went over there and saw him and 
Just try to, to give, like you said, give as much support as, as you can in a situation like that. Uh, nobody, nobody wanted to continue to play the game in, in a, in a situation like that. And, uh, you know, I know how everybody would be feeling in our locker room. If it was, if it was one of our guys and I know how we were feeling and it was one of their guys. Uh, so it was uh, a scary, emotional night. I mean, I think collectively, every single person that, that plays the game of football and has played has thought about something ha- like, like that happening. And at the same time that you're thinking that, thinking that it would never happen to you or to anybody that, that you know. And I think it was a, a big wake-up call for, for everybody that, you know, that's a possibility it it can happen and um, it's part of the game unfortunately I think you know there's nothing you can do about that hit that happened that hit happens on on every play of, of every single game and so that's that's the scary part about it you know it was Joe Burrow who provided one of the sound bites after Tua Tonga-Vailoa suffered a serious concussion on that same field he said we know what we signed up for and he got dragged a little bit for that but That's the reality because you have to accept that in order to put the uniform on and step onto the field. And what he said at the end is why I think players throughout the league may have some hesitation and their family members definitely will have trepidation about their loved one going back out on the field because that hit happens all the time. This wasn't some rare, obvious you know, the old school Jack Tatum hit on Daryl Stingley where you know this is not going to end well. It was a standard routine moment in a football game that happens all the time. So now, already, already, and anybody out there that has a loved one that's played football at any level has experienced that feeling of sitting there watching the game with that, that, that gear turning in the back of your brain that's saying... On every snap, just kind of hold your breath to make sure that that person down on the field is okay when this play's over. Every snap. And you kind of get used to it. Yeah, right. Right? It's kind of part of the game. I think it adds to the adrenaline of the game and everything. Yeah. And I've made that long walk from the top of the bleachers down to the field with my son laying flat on his stomach, and you 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 don't know what's wrong. You don't know why. You don't know what it is. Everything goes through your mind. You worry about having those moments and then finding out that it's something serious. This, the way this happened, it, it's, you know, I mean, let me give you an example here. I don't know if, it's a, if it fits or not, but it's kind of like, hey, we know when there are thunderclouds overhead, you can get hit by lightning if you go outside. We know that. So you don't go outside. If it's a lightning storm and the lightning striking, but if you're just walking down the street on a day in a clear blue sky, just doing and you get hit by lightning, what the hell? What where'd that come from? It's kind of like that. Like this is standard routine football, and Demar Hamlin got struck by lightning, and and so I think as we talked about the issues and the concerns with players, not just on the Bills and Bengals, but any football players going out and playing in their families, the concerns they're going to have, this just underscores it. It was a standard routine play, and you never know when it's going to happen again. And that's just another thing you have to worry about when you have a loved one who is playing football at any level. Yeah, it, it's the beauty and the, the, you know, the, the reality and the, the bad part and everything that's great about football. 
I mean, it is. I think it adds to the intrigue, knowing that, yeah, the injuries and how difficult the sport is and how physical it is, and it's dangerous. I mean, I think that was, you know, growing up, I'm sitting there, oh, gosh, dad made it. He he threw it. Reggie hit him, but okay, he's okay. Oh, gosh, he made it. Charles Haley hit him, but he's okay. All right, this is great. This is great. This is great. Until, yeah, he's laying on the ground with a broken shoulder, and then you're going, oh, man, and your world crashes down. It, it's, it's the odd thing about football. It's the odd thing about humans. We do a lot of things that are not safe for us on a daily basis. And so that's the other thing that I think we got to keep in mind here too. And I do look at this a little bit as lightning strike. I mean, it is crazy with all the football that this has never happened before, but at the same time, it's something that, okay, maybe it's crazy. It's never happened before, but it's like, okay, maybe it should have happened one time. I mean, it's, it's not like something that I would ex- expect to be happening you know, once a decade or anything like that. This is rare. I was explaining this to my kids last night a little bit because they were asking about it. I mean, damn, how many times did I get hit in the chest right in that area as I was throwing a football? You know, and and, and I think everybody in football could say that, whether you're a receiver or quarterback or running back, whatever. We've all been hit in that area. So uh, that's where, too, Mike, I think at some point, and, and again, I don't, I like it's just so odd that it happened. I do wonder or I wonder if we'll ever get an answer if there was an issue there with DeMar Hamlin, maybe pre-existing. And again, I'm not trying to be insensitive or anything like that. I'm just throwing out talk and it's just that's how, you know, weird or rare it is to see this type of thing happen with with that routine of a, a hit that we see in football, like Joe Burrow was saying almost every other play. Well, it was the NFL's chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Sills, who brought up Commodio Cordis yesterday, mentioned that there's been discussion about it. The NFL doesn't have a specific cause yeah. yet, but but based upon what transpired, the experts who are familiar with the condition, right. it is a rare occurrence, but it does happen. And again, it's I first became aware of it with youth baseball, third baseman line drive in the chest, and every year there are children who go into cardiac arrest and die, in large part because when people didn't know, I mean, what's going on? We don't know what's happening. And now with the prevalence of the AEDs and people who know CPR, and, and, and again, someone's life hopefully will be saved by what's happened here. Some little kid in Wichita, Kansas, will get hit in the chest with a line drive in April, and there will be adults present who know exactly what to do because of this. So if there's any good to come from this beyond the $7 million that's been raised for underprivileged children in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, and the surrounding areas in Pittsburgh, there will be a greater sensitivity to this condition and greater measures taken. As you said earlier, all sports organizations, whatever level, the governing bodies need to have these conversations. We have to have an AED. They're not that expensive. So it's got to be somebody in the community that can write the check for the AEDs that are necessary to be present at these games. Let's make sure people are certified in CPR. Let's have this in place. But, Chris, it's, there's not going to be a bright line back to it. And maybe there will be. Maybe the quotes that come out in the aftermath of someone's life being saved will be, I knew about this condition because of what happened to Damar Hamlin. So, again, if there's any good in any way, shape, or form to come from this, there is a chance that one or more lives will be saved in the future by increased sensitivity to this extremely rare condition that even though it's rare, it happens. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, then maybe that. Hopefully, that's the silver lining. The, the, this this incident saves a lot of people, and 
Yeah, uh, or or just makes everybody more prepared in case it does happen that we're all over it, certainly. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. It's just uh, it's a crazy situation. It really is. As we go back to the process of the NFL train that has come to a stop, slowly working its way back into motion, the biggest question is what happens with the Bills-Bengals game when we return, we're going to talk about where that stands. No official announcements yet, but there are some indications as to what likely will happen. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I think that would be tough, uh, just just scheduling-wise. I think... No, I think whatever Buffalo would want to do would be what we would want to do as well. We're you know behind them 100%, support them in, in whatever they would decide to do going forward. Joe Burrow with his position on whether or not the Bills-Bengals game that was the final game of Week 17 should be resumed, will be resumed. And, Chris, you and I talked this through yesterday, and we both came to the conclusion they just can't finish that game for a variety of reasons. It, They just can't, and they shouldn't try to. They've been considering various options. Troy Vincent said yesterday on the conference call he's given it no consideration. His sole focus has been DeMar Hamlin, and as soon as this conference call ends, I'm going to turn my attention to resolving the scheduling issues. And what I heard late last night is that the current momentum is pointing toward canceling the game and then having Bills and Bengals play 16, everyone else play 17, and the playoff seedings are determined based on winning percentage. That was something we discussed yesterday. And that was a a general mechanism that the league put in place for 2020 with the pandemic, assuming that multiple games would be canceled due to teams not having enough players or coaches to proceed. Somehow they got all the games in. They had to move some to Tuesday, move some to Wednesday. We had Monday double headers. They, they, they were very creative in their scheduling and very flexible in their roster manipulation rules to allow that to happen. So they didn't have to use it, but they had it ready. 
And as of last night, everything was pointing in that direction. And my guess is folks are just going to sleep on it. And this morning they're going to make a decision. And that very well may be the decision that gets made and announced. I'd say at some point before noon Eastern today. I think it's the one that makes the most sense. You know, it, it's it's the one that seems to be the, the, at least the, the least amount of hoops and, you know, craziness that we got to deal with as far as to figure it all out. It's not fair. You know, I, I, I get that. It's not fair to the, the Bills or the Bengals or, or the Ravens, for that matter. You can go down the line here. It affects more than just these two teams. But, you know, one, like we talked about, it just doesn't seem right as far as to put them back together in the at the scene of the crime and and just kind of relive that experience again and you know too it just let's just keep let's just keep this machine rolling here a little bit and and go from there uh, I I just I feel like this is the best way even though it's not perfect it's not and and you know, the other thing too Mike is you know, again yeah Kansas City by all due accounts if they win this weekend they're going to get home field advantage and you know not necessarily sure that's right but. At the same time, we saw the Bengals go in there in the AFC Championship game and beat them last year. The Bills have beat them there two out of the last three times they've played them. And, I mean, of course, it was a miracle that they didn't, they're did not they not three for the last three. And, you know, just like you saw Joe Burrow there. You know, again, I, I know it's, it's hey, advantage Kansas City here a little bit. But with guys like Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, you could see right there. Joe Burrow's like, eh, I don't care. You know, yeah, it, it stinks and – We'll play you wherever. I mean, that that's the way those guys are. We'll, we'll play you in the parking lot if it's to go to the Super Bowl. Don't you worry. We'll be effing ready, right? That's how that group is there, those two, if I know them. So they're, they'll have their troops, and they'll, them themselves will be ready to go to face that challenge when, when and if that time comes. But I think this is the, the, the one that makes the most sense to me, Mike. As someone suggested to me yesterday, anybody that would complain about whatever outcome the league picks, because it's going to be the best of a bunch of bad outcomes, anybody who would complain about that needs to get checked for whether or not they have a soul. Yeah, Because seriously. there is a point where we have to put down the petty, stupid little complaints that really do seem stupid. You know, just the idea, the, the complaints that we heard, it just shows you how trivial everything can seem when life gets put in perspective. Right. The big talking point as of Monday was that Seahawks fans were upset that the Lions would know that they're done if the Seahawks beat the Rams when the Lions play the Packers. So the Lions won't try as hard to beat the Packers, whereas if the games were being played at the same time, the Lions would maybe beat the Packers, Seahawks beat the Rams, Seahawks get in the playoffs. That That's, you know, and again, it's natural and it's normal. And it's kind of nice to be in a mode where that is the biggest problem you have. If that's the biggest problem you have, life's going pretty well. So now that we're dealing with DeMar Hamlin's situation and hoping that he gets better and concerned about him and focused on him, where the AFC Championship game is played, who has home field advantage, who benefits from the cancellation of the Bills-Bengals game, that doesn't matter. And, hey, there's no guarantee the Bills were going to win the game. The Bengals are getting – the short end of it here, too. They could have been the one seed. It lo- exactly. They could have been the one seed. The way that game looked, They right? could have won I that mean, game. Yeah, it, it looked like since yes. he was going to move the ball up and down the field of Buffalo. It was a, a little scary looking, honestly, from that. So you're right. They have every, every bit to be disappointed here, too. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, man. 
No, no, you're fine. But but yeah, they could have been the one seed. And I tell you what, they could still be the two seed if the Bills lose to the Patriots on Sunday. The Patriots are trying to get into the playoffs. Yeah. The Bills, you know, again, it's it, and it, who knows whether the Bills are going to be ready to play. We'll talk about that in a second. But if the Bills lose and the Bengals win, the Bengals are going to be the two seed. And the Bills are going to be the three seed. And if they both win the wild card games, it's going to be Bills at Bengals, Chris, yeah, yeah. in the divisional round. Yeah, that 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 could be a little weird for sure. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll get to see them settle it on the field. You know, once again, that's the great thing here is, it's, 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 hey, listen, even though the order might not end up being correct when all said and done, everybody's going to have a say on what, what happens here, you know, on the field of competition. And they'll have their 60 minutes to go wait and prove that they were the better football team. We've seen a lot of teams on the road winning the playoffs. It's not as a big deal as it was or used to be any, you know, back back in the old days. It just doesn't. We seem to see that all the time. Uh, so, you know, again, and, and with these quarterbacks, as we know, they're special. They can overcome anything there. Um, so it's not perfect. It's not. And a lot of teams are being screwed over here. It's just the way the situation is here. And yeah, no the, one should care. No, no one, one should care. care. That's You're the right. bottom line. And the bills are going to get ready to play a Patriots team this week. You're right. And you don't know where their minds are going to be. It could go either way. It could be, wait, we were, you know, distracted and thinking about something else all week. It could go, wait, let's rally together here for DeMar, and they go out and put their best outing together. It, it could go either way with these situations, and uh, that's where we don't know either, and we can't, you know, judge it too crazy here three, four days out. Sometimes that three hours to just focus on football is the rest the best that thing. you need for right. everything that you've been worried about. Um the question came up during yesterday's conference call about whether or not the Bills will be ready to play. And Troy Vincent made it clear that they are going to let Coach Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills guide the league in that regard. And he didn't rule out postponing the Patriots at Bills game. Now, that introduces another layer and level of complexity because what, 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 do, you, what, do, you, what do you do? How long do you postpone it? At some point, the Bills have to play again. When will the Bills be ready to play? Would they, would they move Bills-Patriots to Monday? Would they, well, that's the national championship game, so that becomes difficult. Do you move it to Tuesday? Then when do the teams that make it for the playoffs play their wild card games? I mean, there, there are just there, there is a whole new set of dominoes that start to fall if the Bills truly aren't ready to play. But the big takeaway I had from Troy's comments yesterday if the Bills aren't ready to play, they're not going to make them play. And I don't think anybody who isn't mentally and emotionally ready to play should be expected to play. It's an honest conversation that needs to be had. I said this yesterday. They need to have healthcare professionals talking to everyone in the organization, one-on-one, not in a group setting. One-on-one, are you okay? How are you feeling? Assess the individual. Look in their eyes. Read their body language. Are you okay? What can we do to help you? What do you need to talk about? What do you need to understand? You know, Chris, some of these guys guys are younger than my son. I mean, some of these guys are confused. They don't know. And some of them may just need to hear, this is an incredibly rare condition. You don't have to be worried that it's going to happen to you. Here's what you need to tell your parents. If your parents need to talk to someone, here's who we can talk to to get people comfortable with the idea that this, yes, it's possible. We've seen now that it's possible. But it's incredibly rare. And I think that just may be part of what they need to talk through. And also the trauma of what they witnessed 
a very graphic and disturbing and troubling scene in the middle of a football field. Yeah, that's what makes a double You're you're, going to have some guys that are going to have an element of PTSD. Sure. That needs to be processed. Just the mere act of going back out onto the football field is going to make everything go back to that moment. And they are going to find themselves when they otherwise should be completely focused on the highest level of athletic performance to protect themselves and others around them. They're going to find themselves with feelings that they don't understand, that they've never experienced before, and they're not going to know why. It's just simply because they're back in a similar situation. That's why playing Bill's Bengals is one of the reasons why it makes no sense. That's another one of the issues. And these are things that are all possibly happening at a time when the clock keeps ticking and ticking and ticking toward week 18. It's a difficult situation for everyone. And I just hope that, that you know, I get frustrated because we haven't had any firm decisions. But there are a lot of things that need to be taken into account before firm decisions are made. Yeah. And I trust that folks are properly brainstorming issues, identifying issues, addressing potential problems, and the right decisions will be made at the right time beyond canceling Bill's Bengals. That, that's an easy decision to make. Of all the decisions out there, that's the easiest one. The tougher decision, Chris, what do you do if the conclusion is made after talking to all the Bill's players and coaches and staff that, they're just not ready to play, and here's what we need to do. Here's how much time they need. Here's what needs to happen before they will be ready to play. They, they may never be completely ready. At some point, you're just as ready as you're ever going to be, and you just have to move forward or or never go. I, I you know, Again, I, I, the, 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 these, these are very difficult decisions, and they're happening at what otherwise is the final act of the NFL's regular season. It's it, it really is astounding to think of all the different factors that are coming into play here. It is. It's, it's uh, The Bills should be at the forefront of, of the league's mind, for sure. They're the ones that have the, the most you know mental mental obstacles to overcome. Uh, I, like we talked about yesterday, I, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of is football players too, you know, it's, uh, I'd be one that, hey, let's get out and practice. Yeah, that's, that's, it's, that's fun, and I don't have to think about life as much. And, you know, playing a game, again, you know, the same, would do the same thing for me. And I, I do believe a lot of football players are wired that way. But Buffalo, yeah, they're indifferent than the rest of the, the – like we talked about to start the show. The, the other 31 teams are kind of going right now. So it's in the back of their mind, and, yeah, they've had, you know, meetings and everybody feels bad and whatever else, but – no, no, they're going. They're they're going. They're practicing. They're all that. Buffalo is in a different state. You know, there's at least a state of mind there, and that's where the NFL definitely has to make sure. You know, the mental aspect of the Bills players is in the right place. Uh, and and it, football's too crazy of a sport. It's too brutal, as we know, for people not to be totally present there. You know, when you're distracted and you're thinking about other things, that's when more injuries happen. That's like truly a player safety concern there. So, you know, that's where I think McDermott, uh, the coaches that are up there in Buffalo, hopefully some of the you know human resources people, they'll be able to gauge the the temperature of the football team there, and you know if they're able to you know focus and and kind of not put this behind them, but at least just focus on the task at hand and be able to play that way and put all their you know, mental energy there 
for the time they're in the facility or on the practice field or playing the game on Sunday and, and that they're not, you know, somewhere else where, you know, it could lead to some bad things. There has been some conversation about the possibility of utilizing neutral site for the AFC championship right. game in order to balance out the competitive disadvantage that arises from neither the Bills nor the Bengals having an opportunity to get a victory in that Week 17 game. Hey, you know what? If this falls, Bills at Bengals in the divisional round, I really do think that there needs to be a conversation about whether or not that game should be played at a neutral site. For some of these issues we're discussing, I don't think we should expect the Bills and the Bengals to play on that field again this year. I really don't, either as the continuation of the regular season game or as a this is how the playoff tree shakes out, Bills at Bengals, Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. I think they need to consider playing it somewhere else, Chris. And I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying it's a conversation that needs to be had because I don't know that it's in anyone's best interest for those two teams to play a football game in that location again this year. Next year, it's a different issue. Months go by. The teams change. Everything's different. I'm talking about, you know, in a period of just a couple of weeks from now. Right. The idea of those two teams playing again on that field, it's not – it doesn't sound like a good idea – and at a minimum, it's something that needs to be talked through very carefully. No, I, I, I hear that it definitely needs to be thought about. I, I would agree with that. It, it does. It, that's one where, yeah, you're, you're opening up fresh wounds there. And that, that does get into the, you know, the mental part of some of the things we were just talking about there. You know, that, that, that to me, would, yeah, is like worst case scenario. If that shakes out to where somehow we get done with this weekend and, yeah, Cincinnati's two and Buffalo's three. Yeah, I, I think for sure that's something the NFL is going to have to think about. They'll have two weeks to, to kind of ponder. And, okay, if these teams win the wild card games, they're going to be playing each other. you know. And, and yeah, I am hear you there, Mike. I really do. It's, it's, that, that's a sensitive one for sure. We're going to pivot to other issues related to other teams and other games, specifically quarterback health updates and other strategic quarterback decisions. But before we go – This tweet from Adam Schefter of ESPN.com. DeMar Hamlin's father, Mario Hamlin, addressed the entire Bills team on a Zoom call Wednesday to personally update everyone in attendance on his son per source. Mario Hamlin informed the Bills that DeMar was making progress and in the words of one source, quote, the team needed it. So that's the latest word that we have. We'll continue to provide any updates as they may transpire over the course of the show. If it's after the show, we'll do it at profootballtalk.com. When we return, some quarterback updates for Week 18. We'll be back with more right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. 
Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley, in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.